0: This is what it costs for me to come in and do whatever it is that you need, the window cleaning, the carpet cleaning. This is what it costs. You're gonna have to make a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes
1: um, in order to Get good at bidding jobs.
0: I mean, let's say I need 2500 of that, and I'm going to leave 2500 in my partner, a.k.a. my business, my LLC. You just blew somebody or whatever. You know that, right? You just blew somebody's mind. But I don't want to hear the
1: crap that I can't get jobs if they're at that dollar amount. The market in my area doesn't allow it. No, you're just a crappy salesperson. How do you competitively price commercial cleaning services? How do you get new clients so that you can pay yourself and your employees a fair wage? And what resources are available to help you successfully manage your business? Well, I'm Matthew Stowe and joined by Greg, my brother, and we're excited to answer these questions and more today on the OctoClean podcast. Our family founded and currently operates a multi-million dollar commercial cleaning company in both California and Arizona. And we'll be sharing what we've learned about bidding and prospecting um, in this industry over the past 30 years in business. And we'll be doing so by answering questions that we've received from you. So, um, you know, Greg, how you doing?
0: I'm good. Good. It's been a busy morning already. I I hear you. You know, it's, it's good to get in front of everyone and Answer a lot of the questions that we have from um, a lot of our you know, YouTube followers, and yeah. say, "Hey, I wonder how that is done," and it kind of brings us back to when we were younger and yeah. we had no one to go to. Yeah, we kind of had to learn by making mistakes. So it's good that you're here, that we can kind of chat with them and, yeah. you know, pull the veil back, so to speak. So I think when it comes to bidding jobs um, and
1: you know a lot of the topics we're going to be talking about today, it's a uh, it's important to remember that we didn't learn any of the things that we're talking about today by watching a YouTube video or listening to a podcast. In fact, back when we started out in the 90s and you know the early 2000s, um, yeah, there wasn't even the internet. Um, and if there was, it was like dial up Earthlink, yeah. So it's not like we had any access to, and we definitely didn't have the no, internet. We didn't have the internet. Not have dial-up. No. no, we didn't have any of that. So, you know, this was trial and error. So I think it's important to acknowledge to the to the audience today that, like, yeah, we're going to answer a lot of questions, um, and I, I'm hoping that they're really helpful. But you're going to have to make a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, um, in order to. Get good at bidding jobs um, in order to
0: get good at landing deals. I mean, this is yeah. this is a practice. And price is not always the only thing, as you know. I mean, no, like with us, if you can go out and bid a job, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have a product that people want to buy. Right. So that's what you really need to then you keep an eye on. Like, are we doing are we doing it right? Yeah. You know, if you bring your car to someone that's cheap, you might only oh, yeah I don't know. Let me look at those Yelp reviews, which we didn't have growing up either. There's no Yelp. You couldn't investigate, you know, what company you're going with. Um, so we need to be aware of that with people. Like, hey, you know, yeah. we got to have a good product first. Well, I think it may surprise people when
1: I say this, but the easiest thing that we do is sell. That's the easiest thing that we do. Yeah. Um, and so if you're just starting out and you're coming up with, you know, a, a concept that you want to you know, start your own janitorial company, the worry that most people have is, how do I get business? Where, you know, I've said it over and over again on videos, and, uh, you know, and I'll say it again now. It's not about how you land deals if you don't know how to clean buildings. Yeah. If you don't know how
0: to- To onboard employees. Onboard employees. Right. If yeah. you don't know anything about cleaning chemicals, if you don't know anything about right the industry, or you don't even have a passion for the industry. We see that in a, in a, a lot of RFPs we go to. Request for a proposal for you guys that are kind of new to the industry you yeah. you'll have somebody that has no passion for it but thinks they can make money doing it it doesn't last long no you know growing up we've always got taught that like you can make you know easy money fast or you can have, make good money if you do it the right way yeah and that's where we have always been and i think that's a you know, common mistake that people make it's like i can get quotes so i just send the prices out and it doesn't last long well now that we've kind of put that foundational piece in place. I, I Let's go to some of the questions and see if we can answer some of the questions. So, well, we might, get, we might get some questions from you. Sorry, Matt, for interrupting. Yeah. We might get some questions from you guys, like, okay, well, you guys are brothers. What do you guys do in the, this business? Okay. You know, and it might be something which a lot of you probably have seen our YouTube videos where, you know, Matt will talk about selling and proposing and pricing and and what to do. And then you see me teaching more of a how to do things, right? How do you do this? How do you do that? So... Um, being it's like our first podcast is probably something that we should talk about, you know, that. Um, so Matt basically I take take yeah. over a little bit, but Matt does all of our sales. He works with sales teams. He's always been very good at that, like making sure the price is right, making sure that no matter what, we're going to make money doing it, you know, and then being able to give me on my side, on the operational side, like, hey, this is where we've been. This is how much money I have in this job. This is where we're supposed to go and make it work, right? So mine's more operational. Um, he's taught me a lot about sales, bidding. So I do have a lot of those conversations. I work with a lot of franchisees doing mentorship and things like that. But um, that's always good to know kind of like where we're looking at. So, you know, Matt's one side, I'm, I'm kind of the other side, right? Right and left hand, if you want to look at it that way. Yep. So, um,
1: well, and, you know, I've said it, um, it, you know, it's, everything starts with a good deal you know, if you don't have, um, a well-structured deal that has good pricing and a clear explanation on how we're going to, um, perform the work, not just for a week or a month or six months or a year, but for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years for a lifetime contract, um, you've got to set up the expectations, right? You do, And so, you know, what I like to You know, what I'm proud of that I get to do here is be able to create an environment where success can happen with deals. Um, So, you know, that's in order for me to be able to know that. And it's come from, you know, 30 years of not just selling, but being a janitor. Right. Same for, you know, for you. And we're janitors first. um, But just, you know, what I like to call the golden janitors that we know very well. That might be platinum. Yeah, what what we need to do to to get stuff done to grow a business because we've gotten past yeah. the, the janitor phase. And now we're moving into, you know, the next phase of operating a very successful regional and multi-state business. Yeah. So, all right, let's get into some of these questions. Yeah, let's then. do that. So we um, have a question here from at Mr. Escobar. And he asks, where can I accurately get the base price to know if I'm charging too much or too low? Is there any place where I can find out this information? And asking other companies is not an option since they only give you rates if you are a customer. So, like I'm going to go right back to what I said before. It's trial and error. It's practice, right? Yep. So um, there's another question going to come up here in a minute that I'm not going to answer right now, but... Uh, what I would say is the, the last bit of this question or, or comment is that other companies are not going to give you information. Um, that's not completely accurate. Um, you know, we started off not knowing how to bid anything. So, you know, what did I do back in the nineties? Maybe they've, people have gotten a little better now. Um, but I would simply call up a competitor and say, Hey, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm in this market. I have a building. I need a, uh, you know, a, a you know, a price for five days a week. Um, what would you charge per square foot for a 75,000 square foot building that I'm putting up over here? And they'd give you some basic numbers. You call two, three, four companies like that. You might get two people to answer the question. Um, but that doesn't answer everything, you know? So, you know, looking at the operational side, yeah,
0: you know, you've got to know your production rate. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. You got to know how fast or how slow you can get this cleaning done. If you don't, even if you bid, let's say Matt has a company and I have a company and I'm my company, I don't really know what I'm doing. So I'm really slow. Take, you know, 25% longer. I'm not going to be in the market or the other side. Well, that's my production rate. And we talk about that a lot with people um, is there's only so much the market can hold. Right. So if you're bidding it, well, I'm really slow. So I have to bid it 25% higher. Well, that's just a number. We get that sometimes too. Like, well, that's that's the market won't hold that. So If you would look for production rates, like Matt's saying, you can go to the ISSA website and they'll have um, like a cleaning times 612, I believe it is. And that will give you everything from how long should it take you to fill up a mop bucket to dust mopping square footage. So if you want to look at production rates across the board, but then you also need to know things like what's your minimum wage where you're at, how much you're paying your employees, insurance, there's a lot for you to do that, which Matt could probably sit with you for hours and, and you know, try to figure it out. But sometimes it's one of those things like teaching someone how to change a tire when they, the tire ain't flat. They're not going to yeah. pay attention then, yeah. but they're going to pay attention when they're sitting on the side of the road. So when I think to this, you know, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm always going to go back to, you've got to try it out. You got to practice. Um, you know, both of us have kids who play competitive sports. And, you know, if I'm going to my son and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to take you to this, you're going to play at this level. Um, well the first thing I had to do is they got to learn how to play the game yeah right you got to learn how to bounce the ball and shoot a basket and do all these types of things and then you have to go out and play with competition that is at, is better than you so that you can get to that level so all of this goes back to it's like well how do I bid a job I mean it's it's cart before the horse here and so you know I think it's the very next question that we're going to answer it's it's about, there being a a a discipline to learn the business i mean if you're not going to learn the business don't go out and bid jobs because you yeah. you know frankly you're part of the problem I and mean, a lot of companies go out and the the only differentiation that they have between themselves and some other company is lower price and so what's worse than not learning production rates and going out and bidding jobs too high yeah is meeting a price and then trying to figure out how you're going to make money doing it by cutting costs, right? They like say, oh, I can do it for 10% less. You wouldn't be in that scenario of talking to a prospective customer if they were happy with their existing company. Very true. So why do you think that other company has failed? Well, it's likely because they also underbid that job and they couldn't make money. So they're dropping and dropping and dropping, right? So... It, it's you're you're chasing every other inexperienced, um, undisciplined company and leader into the bottom of the barrel. Exactly, and that's what creates the industry that we're in. So, I I, I don't know if that necessarily answered the question, but you yeah, I'm going to tell you you got to you got to focus on you first. Um, so I'll jump into this question because I think this is going to be a good one for the next. So at Park R seventy two. Um, your question is if I'm just starting out and I don't have any knowledge about my production schedule or margins, would it be best to just be honest and let my prospect know that I'm new? I'll give them great, great quality, but need the chance to learn about my trade more and give them a break in
0: price. What do you think? That's a hard one. Um, and it really, it's a hard one because for us, when we started our business, when we were younger, It wasn't that we went to them. We had people come to us and be like, yeah, you know, we need to have somebody clean a building and we know you guys are kind of struggling to make ends meet. Can you guys do it? Which is kind of the opposite side of that coin that park R is, is, is is saying, um, it's a dangerous situation. I mean, if I was approached by someone that said that I would either do two things like, you know, find someone that doesn't know what they're doing and either mentor underneath them or Get a job with a janitorial company. Amen. Go out there and, and they'll hire you. Yeah. And learn, you know, what you do, what you like, and you don't like about that company. Um, you know how well they train. We onboard a lot of employees and from other companies, and they're like, "Wow, I didn't get any training." Yeah. Because, like you and I always say, everybody thinks they know how to clean, and it's something that we talk about a lot. But cleaning and cleaning to make money are two different things. Well, I need for profit and cleaning to put a roof over your head and cleaning your room is totally different. Totally different because we mostly have cleaned
1: in our lives because someone has said, clean your room. Exactly. because You can't go outside and play, right? Yeah. So, you know, nowadays it's, you can't play Xbox. Now you can't mm-hmm. go outside anymore. Whatever it is now, yeah. okay? But it's it's important to, you know, to remember that you can't run by a team Unless you've been a player first. Yes. Right? If you're not going to go out there and learn um, how to play the game, right, play the janitorial game at at a high level, you know, like if, if I were to start all over again, I would do what you just said. I would go and work for the best local janitorial company that I can, and I would work my way up as fast as I could and find all the things within that organization that I'm like, this doesn't work. Like if I, I, I know where I'm headed, I know what I want to do. I want to run my own janitorial company, but I got to see what works and what doesn't work. And in this case, here's a list of things I like. Here's a list of things I don't like. And I've learned how to supervise and train and, you know, how to manage people and, and relationships and issues. Yeah. Um, and along the way, I'm picking things up about how jobs are bid. Yeah, You know, because a lot of things that come up that are, systemic issues within organizations when you work for them is, you know, uh, in this industry, you know, an example would be, I come to you, right. And you're cleaning for me and I go to this building, I train you how to clean. And I'm like, you got to do this in three hours and you start cleaning it and you're trying to get that benchmark. And you're like, how can I possibly clean this building in three hours and have any integrity in the work that I'm doing? Right. Well, yeah. you, what you find out when you go and talk to your supervisor, it's like, that's all the money we got in this job. Yeah, that's all the money I'm going to pay you necessarily. Right. And so that's all the money we've got. So the, all the money we've got is because someone in a position that bid the job was too weak-minded um, or, or you know didn't have the will, uh, the courage to get a higher number, didn't know how to sell it. Yeah. And so they're just going in and saying, "Well, that the market has set the price, and this is what the price is." And so all, well, it, it's not always that price. It's the price of the crappy service that, that you that, that they replaced. And usually, it's ten percent cheaper than the crappy service they just replaced. Amen. So these are all of the yeah. things that it's like if you're going to be great in any industry, you've got to be a you've got to be a, a prolific salesperson.
0: Like you had to know, and then it. you have to have someone that's producing the product that's that's good. Yeah, you know, if I'm a mechanic, or you know, making whatever a widget, and I have nothing to to mid to know know nothing about making widgets, going and not getting widgets. Just I, I'm opening a widget factory today, and I'm going to go see if this yeah. customer wants to buy my widget. Right. How do I do that, man? How do I sell that widget? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What widget are you making, man?" One of the companies that I love following is is Tesla because
1: of Elon Musk and what yeah. he's done. Right. But if you ever read any of the books that he's, you know, his autobiography, he talks about how much money he's wasted because he's gotten into something. And he simply said, I'm going to be the best at manufacturing. I'm going to be the best at um, selling a a vehicle. Right. But he didn't know how to do it. And he didn't always hire people who were industry level folks. Right. He was just too stubborn to figure that out. I'm going to build a rocket that costs half the money. So he made the decision that he was going to learn and completely transform a marketplace. But you know why he was able to do that? Because he had a boatload of money sitting around that he could afford to do it. Most people in this industry don't have that ability. So you know it's really going to have to be go out and practice working for somebody else and identify the areas that you can improve. And along the way, you're going to say, how much am I worth? And then how much do I have to pay other people? Mm. Which leads us to the next question. Yep. Um, I was working for a local cleaning company. And this comes from Amber Martinez, 2616. And she says, I was working for a local cleaning company. Um, I got paid $12 an hour to clean three clinics and $13 an hour to clean a car dealership. I'm opening my own commercial cleaning business. Mostly, I just want to work for myself. Should I pay myself $12 an hour? I'm, I'm going to try not to get and god bless you amber i'm gonna get i'm trying not to get too like what are you talking about
0: amber has to live in like wyoming
1: okay so amber first things first i don't know how they were getting away with paying you twelve dollars an hour for one thing and 13 for another but probably because the car dealership was seven days a week and i'm guessing that they didn't pay you ot or you know anything for the seven days that's weird but or they were giving you some kind of differential for the extra days but first things first if you're going to go and work for yourself, the things that you don't know as an employee that you will soon figure out, and you don't want to find it out by not charging enough, is that running a business costs money, right? And so the the money that you have to be able to make up is not just what you want to make. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's other things that are involved, um, buying insurance, insurance, um, any overhead expenses, you know, related to um, you know products, supplies equipment, things that you you took for granted working for someone else because that stuff was all there. Yeah. And not just those things to buy initially, but the depreciation of those
0: items, knowing that you're going to have to replace stuff, right? Um, and, And then something else yeah, I think everyone needs to realize too is, unlike working for a company, right, where you work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you get paid for those days, when you open up your cleaning company, you're billing and you're working 30 days for free. Yeah. So you have no money. So that's another thing if I was, you know, to sit with Amber and say, hey, look, this is what you got to do. And then like some of the questions you already asked about, you know, what were the market hold? If you go in and start saying, I need $12 an hour, I need $32 a day to clean. Yeah. They're going to sign you and you're probably going to do a great job. And then a month later, you're going to be out of business and you're going to be starving on the street because you didn't realize what it all entails. So that's definitely, you know, kind of like looking at Amber, She used to watch the podcast. The questions above need to be answered before her question is.
1: Well, and I think something with Amber too is, and anyone like this, because Amber's not unique in no. this In what I'm about to say. What is your, how much are you worth? Right? And that's a question that's hard for people to, to, to answer. Um, and they'll say, well, I've, I've always only gotten paid 12 to $13 an hour, so that must be what I'm worth. Well, no, that's absolutely not true. Like, what are the things that you want to accomplish in life? You know, what are your goals? What are your aspirations? Who do you have to care for? Um, you know, what is what does it look like in five years? So, you know, if that's like, well, I'm I'm actually worth twenty five bucks an hour. Like, okay, well, if you're worth twenty five dollars an hour, then are you one in the right industry? Because maybe the, the the market won't allow that, which it would in most states. Yeah, in most states it will. In most states it would. Um, you know, so that's one thing to consider. The other is, is that, do you know how to bid jobs and can you replace yourself because you're not going to be able to, to grow on your own? So are you competent enough to train and supervise and manage people? So again, that goes back to what we talked about. Go get a job working for someone else and get to be the best, most honed and sharpened tool
0: that you can be in the industry and then go out. Not because companies don't call in sick. No, People call in sick, companies don't, and that's what she would become as a company. So she goes and falls down the stairs and breaks her leg, can't go to work. She's out of business. You're out of business. Yeah. So companies don't call in sick.
1: Well, I think, too, that what you said earlier, and I think it, it deserves a bit of an explanation, is that you don't know that you have to wait 30 to 45 days, right? Yeah. You start business on August 1st, 2023. You start cleaning a building you're not going to get payment from that customer until September 15th, right? Sometimes longer. So what are you doing from August 1st to September 15th? Yeah, you know, September 15th. Who's paying the rent? Who's paying for gas? Like, what's happening that's helping you get there? So, you know,
0: and then how desperate are you going to be once you get that September check? Yeah. You're going to be right all over again. So, I mean, Amber does have a kind of a, a leg up being she has been in the industry knows how to clean. She just needs to learn what the other questions were, too. Well, she needs to learn her value
1: and be careful not to, you know, and we'll say it a lot on the podcast. Too many people wake up in the morning and have an entrepreneurial seizure, right? I mean, there's like, oh, I can do it better than my boss. And they just immediately jump in to something without really thinking about it. Um, And that can work for some, not for many. So we really need to figure that out. Um, All right. So we'll move on to the next question at uh, Laurel Blair, 1130. And uh, this individual asks the question of after dividing 12 into whatever number you come up with, am I charging per week or per month? So let me just make sure we're clear on what this is about. Um, This is in reference to a video that we created on YouTube on how to bid commercial cleaning jobs. Um, It's a pretty popular video that we have there, and it's um, very thorough and explains I think in pretty good detail, like how you would create a number, a monthly number. So that answers your question, um, uh, Laurel, that this is a monthly number. So you're going to, uh, when you make, you know, do all the math in this equation, it gives you how much you're charging per month, not per week. Um, So, you know, what I like to do with this is, you know, like I mentioned, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, this is an operations and um, sales marketing you know, partnership, right? I can't go out and sell something unless I let you know how much we bid it for, how many hours. Um, So, too often in sales, again, if your job is simply to go out and say, "How much are you charged getting charged now?" Then I'm going to charge five percent less. So, what am I giving to you in operations? I'm saying, "Here's the job, figure it out." Yeah. Right. And now you're having to go back and like how do we make 25% profit on this job? And so you're taking 25% off of the top and you're saying this is all I have left for payroll and expenses. That's the wrong way to be doing business, right? Totally wrong way. What happens if that, I mean, if you start doing that?
0: I mean, we've discovered when it was like that and we actually will bounce off of each other. Um, Either if it's a large account that you can, you know, large accounts, or it's a $100,000 account. Well, if it's a $100,000 account, that's $10,000 under bid. It might as well be a zero account. Yeah. So you and I will go out together and be like, okay, does that rate look good? You know, that that is. But then it also goes back to how, you know, and I'll always focus on that because I've always been a training person. You know, we have standardized training. We know exactly how much it's going to take. If we put a person in and we train them, we're not dependent on, let's say, Susie, who's really good over here, but Paul is terrible. So we're dependent on a, our training process. So it's standard. We know how much production rate is what we're saying. But, you know, as Matt's saying, if, if they're giving it to you 10%, 15% below, customer's not going to be happy. You're going to have to cut corners. You're going to lose the account. Um, and you're going to be rolling these accounts over. Because then 90 to 100% of our contracts out there, period, will have a 30-day release clause. They can terminate for any reason within 30 days. Right. So they realize, you know, that whoever came and bid them and did a terrible job and that the service isn't there and they can cancel in a month from now and they're starting all over again.
1: When it, and the, and I think the real um, you know issue I've seen in small businesses is that they take an operations person who's got a great passion for the business, and so they'll do everything they can to have that job succeed to the detriment of the company, meaning yes. that they'll they the numbers uh, uh, will be too low, and so they'll you know they'll work and work and work to keep the customer happy usually on their own time and their own dime. That supervisor, manager, operations person will go in and do the extra work. So what are you doing as a, as a leader of a company? What you're doing is you're burning out that person and you're creating an environment where they feel like they're being taken advantage of. Yeah, and then they'll leave. And then they'll leave. And they'll go and work for a company that actually knows how to bid jobs and can explain to a, a prospect how they did it and why it's more. Because that's what this video really goes over is it's not just what's the formula, but it's how do you have a conversation with a prospect on this is what the actual costs are, you know? So instead of turning, you know, sales into an art, yeah. you know, which I, I hate when people say that, you know, sales is not an art unless you're looking at psychology and working with people and relating to people and things like that. Sales in service-based businesses
0: is a science, Right, it really is. Exactly. You got you got to have that number. You got, you got to have the number. correct number, or else you're gonna have bad service. It right. does. the what is say you get what you pay for. Yeah. It, there is some truth in that, at least in this industry. Yeah, you're gonna get what you pay for. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So, so I never want to hear any. You know. Uh, you know.
1: I'm sure we might get some comments, but I don't want to hear the crap that I can't get jobs if they're at that dollar amount. The market in my area doesn't allow it. No,
0: you're just a crappy salesperson. Or, I mean, we, we've we been in this business for a while, long time, long time. And we're now looking at large companies, like m- companies that have multiple buildings, 10, 15, 20, 30 buildings. Yeah. Um, these are companies, fair to say, that have gone through all of this low bid stuff in their history, too. You know, when they had two buildings, they've dealt with a company that's like, ah, well, you know, and now they want a company that's like them. They know how much it takes to, let's say you're doing with medical. They know how much it's going to take if you come in and have your appendix taken out, right? You know, they know everything from every single stitch. So they respect a janitorial company that's coming to them at that same aspect, saying, hey, look, this is actually what it costs, right? This is what it costs for me to have a day porter, a night crew. This is what it costs for me to come in and do whatever it is that you need, the window cleaning, the carpet cleaning. This is what it costs. And that's what those people, they want. And that's what I think a lot of our viewers are probably looking at is like, how do I get out from this, you know, $500 account where they don't care? Because as we've learned, the low bid $500 accounts are the ones you spend the most of your time with.
1: Yeah, because they have the highest expectations. And it's usually because they're not, you know, you're dealing with people who are in business, but they're really just small mom and pop businesses just like you. And so they're very emotionally attached to that. every dollar they spend is a dollar not in their pocket. Yeah. You know, so the bigger the business, the better, um, because you're really starting to work with them in a business relationship, and not so much in a personal. You're taking my money, and I expect you know miracles um, in my building type. Yeah, of we're a number on a
0: budget sheet when you're a large company.
1: So I do encourage um, all of our listeners, viewers, to go and um, watch this video because this video is going to help you a lot. And I hope that the, more questions will come out of it because it's not just well, is it a month? I think the real question should be, how do I become a competitive, um, you know, uh, steward to this industry? Not even a salesperson, a steward. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, I encourage you to watch that video. So we'll move on to uh, LaToya Palmer. Uh,
0: The question is simple. Where do you bid? Well, it's kind of simple, but it could be like, where is in location? Like, am I bidding in my pajamas at my house? (laughs) Right. Uh, You know, is that it? Or is it like. Um, am I going to like, am I going to go buy a car? The auto watch should be like, Hey, hey you know, no. is that how I'm bidding? Yeah. So, um, I would assume this person is saying maybe it's location could be like, like, Hey, where are you guys from? And I mean, we're in well. Southern California It's pretty simple, but then you also have the other side is like, I think what we need to really talk about more is types of accounts, you know, types of accounts. And I think really it's like, where do you start? Yeah. So if you've
1: never bid an account before where do I start? Like, what do I do? I mean, that's kind of what I would take from it because I actually had a, um, uh, one of our followers, um, so call me directly and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going out to bid. Like, how do I do this? And so I gave him a little bit of coaching on it. And, you know, it, it, when I started asking questions, like it was, they don't have business cards. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to, to strategize a, yeah, day of prospecting and when they do go and talk to somebody door to door, what questions do you ask? Yeah. And what, great. Now I have all these questions answered. I have information from uh, this individual who says that they do hire someone to clean. Um, what do I do with it? Like now what? So, you know, if that's what Latoya was talking about, I'll just keep it simple on this part because, um, You know, going out into a new territory, like if you're a brand new business owner, wherever you live is a new territory to you. Yeah, absolutely. So you're not um, like, well, I,
0: I, you know, I know people. Doesn't matter. You need to go look, out. Th- those people will be the people that do never. They never call you. They never call you. I got a lot of friends. Like uh, your friends are going to say no to you.
1: Friends and family is usually not a good place yeah. to start. And I mean, unless you're in some kind of multi-level marketing business, which it's still not a good place. Please do not ever do that. Don't call us on that. Deal. Never call me on it. Yeah, never call us on multi-marketing. But
0: I mean, so, I mean, look like I need a health food shake. But <laughs> <I might> have... <laughs> no,
1: dude, come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so here's what I would say. First thing I would do is I would identify the size of buildings that you think you would be ready to clean. So again, assuming- And if that, you
0: don't know, go work for somebody. Go else work for someone else job. and be like, how hard is this job really? Yeah. Because the last thing you want to do is get a yes from somebody, then you go in there and it's a disaster. Because really, you know, one of our things is like transforming the janitorial industry. That's kind of why we're having this podcast, right? Yeah. It's an industry where everybody thinks they know how to clean because their mommy and daddy told them to go clean the bathroom. Right. So- there's so much more to it. And by having, no offense, people like that out there, it's like, if you come to me and give me a bid for half the price to pressure wash my sidewalk, I'm probably going to f- go for a flyer be like, hey, dude, go ahead. Here's 50 bucks. Have fun. Yeah. You know, when you're out there for 12 hours and, you know, my wife's like, that's just not fair. But, you know, you're the one that gave me the quote. Those are the people that kind of pollute the industry. So the most dangerous people in any
1: industry are those who have the most passion and hard work in them matched with a lack of experience and incompetence. Yeah. Like those people are like, I'm like, what are you doing right now? Because you're making it harder on everybody. So anyway, let's try to stay on the question. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But, you know, the, the answer I would give is day one, you need business cards. You need to have when you have a business card. What do you need? You need a business phone number. You need an email address. You need a logo. You need a business uh, name. You need a business name. I mean, you need to set up your business.
0: Yeah, so you need right? to spend some time doing that before you even think about
1: that. right. So let's assume that you got all that done. Right, you figured it all out. You've filed your 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 corporation LLC, your fictitious business name. You have all of that stuff done, and now you're ready to go out and talk to people. Okay, drive the neighborhood, drive the business parks, see where you would want to go. And when you go into a building that first day, right, the thing we're going to do is we're going to walk into a building with a business card and say, keep it simple, Pete. Very simple. Here we go. Okay. Keep it simple. And walk walking like, oh, hi, my name is so-and-so, and these are all the services that I offer. Nobody cares what you do. Like, nobody cares, especially when you're walking into their office and you're, trying, you're bugging them. They don't want to talk to you. So, you know, it's, it's simple. Hey, Greg, uh, or hey, so-and-so. Um, who would I talk to about your janitorial services, hand them one of your business cards. They say it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, Greg, is Greg available? No. Okay, great. Can I get a business card for Greg? You look at his card. Does he have an email address? Does it have a direct phone number? And then you ask the person who's sitting there, what's the best time of day to reach Greg, right? And you write that information on the back of the card. You shove that into your pocket or your notebook and you go to the next door and you do the same thing. And it's, it's, it's going to be wash, you know, you know, wash and repeat, right? Rinse and repeat. And, you know, you go through that day after day after day, you get hundreds of leads, then you're starting, you're, you're somewhere. Yeah. You got to do the work first though. You got to do the work. You're not going to get one for one. No. So, you know, we'll, you know, we're going to create a video in the future about, um, and probably have a podcast about it. Like, how do you. What do you do with the cards then? And
0: then what do you do when you make the phone call? And what's the script? Yeah, because there's a lot with it. You know, and there's like, how do you look? And I've worked with salesmen the same thing. that have the same question when we go to an, a new area. And they're like, well, where do I go to? And I'll look at it like, well, you probably don't want to go to the building that has one car out front of it. And no, they they don't have a budget. You know, you want to go for names that you know. You know, you want to go, like Matt's saying, driving a business park and be like, you know, this is what it is. You know, we deal with medical, but there's a lot of... For a new company, it's got to be a little bit different because there are, you know, regulatory agencies that do go in with that. So, you know, you got to know a lot about that. Yeah. And they're not going to really just let you walk in. But if you're looking at business parks like Class A buildings, those are buildings that are like the tall buildings for the people that don't know. And you go in and you could go see your, you know, attorney on floor three at suite 201. Yeah. Those type of things. Just finding out where those people are at. Or um, the smaller business parks where... You can kind of swoop up a couple five hundred dollar accounts here and there, yeah. and then going out of your comfort zone, maybe and being or dressing to somebody that they would trust with, you know, yeah. with their company. Well, so you know, well, we can go over that on another podcast. because how you look is a lot has a lot to do with it. You know, what you're wearing, how professional you are about your company. Yeah, and I'm not saying wear a three piece suit. I mean, Matt and I are in polos. Yeah, but we have our logo you know, uh, you know, slash our logo and, you know, a decent pair of shoes. And they're like, okay, well, you know, that might be somebody we're going to call.
1: Well, I I will say, since we're talking about wearing something or not wearing something, because there's a direct correlation between how little you feel about yourself and your experience in whatever industry you're in and how nice you dress. Like that's just, unless it's just a a specific, like way that people, you know, it's an expected way that people dress. Right. So, and I'll, I'll, I'm just going to give my story. When I was young and I was out cleaning or selling accounts, I had cufflink shirts and ties and all this stuff. I mean, I look crazy, man. I I was out there like, uh, I'd walk in, they're like, you're a janitorial company? What are you doing here? Right. And as I've gotten. Well, I do the same thing in your stories where title work. Yeah. So more experience and further along in what is expected and what people want in partnership the more I dressed like the people that I was around, number one, because we're in California or Arizona, and this is how we dress, right? Yeah. Now there, there's, there's places we go into hospitals we're gonna dress a certain way, but all of that to be said is that, you know, you have got to find a way to be an expert in this industry, right? And so you're talking about where do we go, what do we do? Well, every time I'm answering one of these questions, the thing that strikes, you know, hits me, is that it is way more than an answer. And you and I are both, it is, we're both from Gen X, right? So we didn't grow up on YouTube. We didn't grow up listening to podcasts. I just mentioned to our marketing team, um, you know, this week when we met, I don't listen to hardly any podcasts. I know you do. I do. do. But it's just not my thing, right? Like I'll read a book or a magazine or do something like that. I guess I'm just an old man. But, you know, you're not going to learn how to run your janitorial company by just listening to this podcast. Yeah. Right? You're not going to learn. How to be a great boss and transform your market in this industry by just watching
0: our videos. But it may give you the passion of like, hey, look, I got to go do this. I I really want to be a janitorial company because you can make good money. If you're a very, you know, put together, intelligent person that has a passion for this industry, you can make probably more money than you've ever made in your whole entire life if you're willing to put in the work. Well, I would
1: say this, too. Not only the if you are the intelligent person, what I'm hoping is is that by people listening to this, they have the courage to go out and take the first step. Because yeah, the smartest people that I've met in my life are the ones who, you know, it's paralysis by analysis. Like, they never get anything done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really the, the fact that, you know, LaToya asked the question, where do I start, is... A courageous question to ask. Now the next step is just go out and do something, right? And if you go out and do something, you're going to learn how to f- how to succeed by you know failing forward. And too often people don't do that. You yeah. know, there's like, oh, I need to know everything before I do anything. And I think that's the the part that we need to you know really encourage folks on is just go do something. And when you do it, you're going to learn a lot. So anyway, we'll we'll move on to the next question. So um, at Ramiro. I'm not gonna even try this to uh, us uh, ninety seven sixteen that's right, completely wrong, sorry, Ramiro. um what would you recommend us do uh us to do if we want to score a parking lot or parking garage sweeping job? We're in California, and I understand each company has their own formula, but what would be something you w- you can recommend when it comes to trying to go out and knock on doors
0: to get the jobs? Parking lot sweeping um First, go out and drop a hundred thousand bucks on a parking lot sweeping so truck. Yeah, that's your first step. Um,
1: and I, and I would encourage them not to get the, the big ones that are tall
0: trucks. Right, get the smaller truck. Yeah, go well, into especially the truck. going especially if you go to the parking garage. Yeah, stuff. yeah, get get like one that's on a F firm. fifty. First, let's like. assume that they they already do that because it's not they like that truck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you already got it. You already got your truck. So. That's a good question. The parking lot sweeping, as you know, is not something where you're going to walk up to a building and say, "Hey, who do I talk to?" Because parking lot sweeping is usually done by the property manager or the building owner. Yeah. So, or a, it, or a landscape company, or even a landscape uh, company, company, company such you have got to to work with some of them. Um, so it is something where it's a who you know. Yeah. You know, who you know, and then how much effort are you willing to put into it? You you're probably going to want to start some sort of marketing. You know, whether it's yeah. on the internet or you have something that you're. You could hand someone because usually those property managers aren't in their office. Yeah. They're out looking at their properties. But I would definitely say the first thing you want to do is property management. We have a lot of tips and tricks we do with proposing it and all this kind of stuff. Um, But. Really, you could be great at measuring it, proposing it, knowing how much time it is. If you can't get in front of anybody, then it's just kind of a waste.
1: Well, I I think what we mentioned, what we said about landscapers, right? Strategic alliances matter. Yes. Right? So when you're dealing with property management, like most of the places you're going to go to to get street, street sweeping jobs or parking lot jobs is going to be retail, you know, or it's going to be like a major college university. How do you get in front of the person who is going to say yes, no, or maybe never? right? Um, That is what I would do is I would say, well, who's doing their landscaping work? Who's doing their plumbing? Who's doing their electrical? Who's doing whatever? Because whoever that contractor is, that vendor, they know who to talk to. to. So I would go to them and say, well, tell me what it's like working with so-and-so. And can you help me to get in front of them? And, oh, by the way, landscape, you know, the superintendent, how's the street sweeping going? Oh, they're terrible. They make a mess there. I'm always unhappy with them. Okay. Help me help you. You know, let me show you what I do. And does it make sense for us to go in together and you can introduce me? These are the things of, you know, it's not just walking in the door um, and saying, here's my business card. Yeah, that can work too. Yeah. And really going to have to do it probably 15 times. Right. And really what I'm talking about right now with there being like that, that, you know, how do you open the back door, you know, and get to the desk instead of going through the front door and having to go through barrier after barrier after barrier is this strategic type of, of lead generation but with street sweeping i notice that a lot like you, you really got to know someone who knows someone um to get into you know major airport facilities and and retail and schooling and
0: things like that you got you got to work on uh, a more strategic so it sounds like you're talking about like being more creative you know like waking up at 5.30 in the morning to go talk to the guys mowing the grass. Yep. You know, find that guy that's in charge of that crew. Are you talking about uh, working hard? That... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Well, you, if you think about it, a lot of people are like, well, why would I want to go talk to him? You know, probably a lot of our listeners are like that. Well, well I, just, I just want to talk to the boss. I don't want to talk to, you know, Greg over there pushing the lawnmower. Well, and this isn't a new model, right? This
1: isn't something that is just like we're not creating anything new here. What we're doing is we're doing what other people aren't. You know, it's not about like, oh, well, everyone else is going door to door, dropping off flyers and doing all that stuff. So I would tell anybody is that I see our competitors doing these five things. Don't copy those five things. Right. That's the worst thing you could possibly do. Instead, you would look at, okay, where are the where the where's the competition not? Yeah, where are they not? Where are they not? And then I can go there and that could be strategic alliances that can be. Um, you know, going to trade shows that can be uh, showing
0: up at five thirty in the morning and talking to the landscapers. It, it, there's all, I mean, it can be going. To, I mean, we can, we used to do weird stuff like that. We go out late at night and if there was a building that we really wanted to get, we'd sit on it. Yeah. We'd sit there and be I mean, like, I wonder house. how good they're cleaning. And they're coming up with like shorts and, you know, pajamas, sometimes no shirt. Sometimes, you know, we could have a podcast about that stuff. But I mean, then you realize like, okay, that, it's a good time to go in there and look at them, you know, yeah. go, go in there tomorrow morning yeah. and say, hey, here's my card. You know, how's everything going? Yeah.
1: Have you been having any issues with security or issues with, you know, your tenants saying that people are coming in. They look like they just got out of bed. Yeah. How did you know? Well, you know, hey, these are look, if you're hungry and you want to make it like, where do I go to bid? You know, how do I get into a, a job? Don't do what everyone else is doing. But in order to know what that is, you got to know what the other companies yeah. are doing, and then try to stay away from that. So you're not the same noisy um, thing that people want to ignore. You know, it, it, this is a Seth Godin. The, what is it? The the, the uh, uh, purple cow. Yeah. You know, if you haven't read that book, you got You got to pick it up. It's an easy one to read. It's an older book, um, but you know, purple snowflake is what it was. Yeah, purple snowflake. Some good fun stuff, right? Um, but you definitely want to, you know, start figuring out things like what are they not doing? So, all right, moving on. Um, at Wesley, uh, did I already that? Yeah. At Wesley us 1203, can you talk more about the financial aspect of the industry? What tools and resources are available to run financials? What financial systems can be used? What about tax deductions, write-offs? What should contracts and invoices to vendors look like?
0: Oh, this is a big question. Um, it's another one of those questions that, you know, some of our other question people. One um, of those things you don't know what you don't know. Like you don't even think about it until feel you're like just, too late. And they to how do I? How do I build my brand new customer? Yeah. Uh, you can do things as simple as QuickBooks. I mean, mm-hmm. we've done that before when we first started. Um, as your business grows, you probably don't want to be on QuickBooks, but you know, it will last you for a long time. Um, as far as like tax resources and things like that, we always talk about going to a tax professional. Now, a lot of people are like, well, how do I find that person? If you go to a lot of your chamber of commerce type events, yeah. there'll be somebody there. If you have a relationship with the president of the chamber, usually they can say, hey, why don't you sit down and, you know, if you take Susie out to lunch, probably answer a lot of your questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but Matt has probably a lot of good well, answers to that too. No, I think you nailed it. I mean, it, it's, you know, number one, QuickBooks, it, it's
1: it's pretty scalable. You know, you can start Get it off. off with a free version. I don't recommend that, but you can go with a pretty cheap version. And then now it's online. You don't have to have, yeah. It's like back in the day. It's all online. Yeah. So it's all cloud-based. You can do a lot of the stuff on your phone or your tablet or your computer at home,
0: whatever. Yeah, taking pictures of, of receipts. Yeah, super easy. So, yeah. And you go forever on the financial aspects. So I think that's what a lot of people we learned. People can clean, and that's really why we started the franchise. Yeah, because people can clean, but they have no idea how to run the back, how to run their business. No, none. And really, with QuickBooks, you know, not only is it easy to get
1: to, but you can also, you know, go to online courses that are available through the QuickBooks. Absolutely. um, You know, uh, membership that you get, and there's there's in person, and I, I'm sure that now there's like they're on Zoom. Or there's, there's learning and whatever. So. You know, again, it's not about it's it's the basketball analogy that I've given. You know, you're not gonna send someone out who knows how to dribble but can't shoot. You're not gonna send somebody out there that can rebound but they can't do other things. You gotta know all of the things, just how fast you're gonna get to know them. Right. Yeah. And and you don't have to know like, I need to know everything about QuickBooks
0: in order to start. Yeah, or I need everything about tax deductions. No.
1: So I, what I would say is number one, get QuickBooks. Um, use it, learn it. Um, then find a bookkeeper because most bookkeepers use QuickBooks. And have that bookkeeper, who also should have some knowledge of your state's tax laws, um, give you a list, and that what they—it's called a chart of accounts—and they drop that chart of accounts into your QuickBooks, and it will say expenses for certain types of business expenses. So then you can give access it's to your really bookkeeper, easy. and your bookkeeper can go in and say, okay, you have gas receipts, you have this, you have that, and we're going to drop all this stuff in. Um, and then it shows up. So at the end of the year, when you hand it to a tax preparer, they say, oh, I see you already have clean books. Now all we have to do is make sure that you're getting the best tax deduction. But it does
0: start when you say the clean books, something that hits me with that is when we work with people that's starting their own business, this is what we do. We make sure they have their own business bank account. Yeah. It comes with a debit card, credit card, whatever. Yeah. So when we're dealing with that, They're basically having a partner in their business that needs to have money to survive. So if I make $5,000 a month, let's say, I'm not pulling $5,000 a month and putting it in my personal account. No. I mean, let's say I need $2,500 of that, and I'm going to leave $2,500 in my partner, a.k.a. my business, my LLC. You just blew somebody or whatever. You know that, right? You just blew somebody's mind. (laughs) Because no one ever thinks of it like that. It's
1: like, I started a business, every dollar that comes in is mine. no. It's not because you have expenses. You have things that you need to do and you got to have that stuff. So uh, what you also mentioned but didn't really um, key key in on as much is the credit card thing. You know, too many people start businesses. When you're talking about the financial side, do not spend money on your personal cards ever for business-related
0: expenses. And that doesn't mean you have to have a credit card. You can have a debit card. Yeah. And just keep that in that business bank account. Right. And- that makes it for your, like you're asking here, um, Wesley, is like, well, how do I run my deductions? How do I do all that? If you only buy stuff for your business in your your account, well, you have your bank statement. You have your bank statements. And you can write it out. You can reconcile your bank statements and those. Because there's only one thing you're
1: buying from Chevron. Yes. It's gas, maybe a, maybe a packet of peanuts or something. But yeah. But, you know. Flaming Hot Cheetos, and, and to uh, you know, when it comes to what should uh, contracts and invoices to vendors look like or customers, I mean that's you know QuickBooks has uh, modules that well you can drop your logo yep. in.
0: It's super easy,
1: really easy. Is push print, it goes out. You can send them digitally on email. Um, and contracts look, we live in the world, um, you know, the, 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 of the internet. Go on the internet yeah, it and Google good. contracts for contracts. Trust
0: me, they're there. I'm sure yeah. they are. Again, ours is probably there. Y'all got it easy. We don't. We didn't have it easy. We had to do some real work to try we to. We had to have like a printer, out. like a physical guy that did the printing, and
1: make our contract. I don't tell anybody, but I might have taken a few competitors' contracts. And uh, anyway, we're not talking about that. Um, all right. Patricia. So Patricia and Zazzini, 3182. I made a deep clean for a medical imaging clinic. I charged 130 dollars an hour, and it took eight hours, three people. So now the person wants a price for a monthly recurring cleaning. What should I charge them? I asked them how often do they need cleaning? What should I charge as an estimate based on
0: what I charged? Um, probably a daily cleaning will take three hours. I think she would definitely need to go to the hourly, like that YouTube video. You go to the that YouTube, YouTube video. You know, that has the equation that she could punch in. But when the thing that hit me was the, the detail cleaning, which... I hate the word detail clean because to me, when I say her detail clean, that means you didn't clean it right in the first place. And now you got to go in and got to clean it up. But this isn't that. This, this is isn't. she was in and this is a new one. It was probably a occupancy construction clean, something like that. Correct. Now that's going to take her way longer than it is going to be to maintain it. So that's where she needs to look and say, yeah, if it took me what she's saying, eight hours with three people to clean it up to like do an occupancy clean so they were ready to move in, you're probably looking at it. Two hours with three people? Yeah. And that, so she could run that into your equation and say, hey, this is where it should be. Well, here's what I would say to this, right? $130 an hour,
1: that sounds like a lot of money. No, it, it could be divided by three. It could be divided, divided by three. So if we're doing it by three, then that probably makes sense. But the, the the initial occupancy clean took 24 hours. That's what she says it takes. She's estimating that it will take three hours to do the regular cleaning. So there's some things to think about when you're doing this. Number How one. Many people. Um, let's say it's three, three hours, two people. So that's six hours. How many days a week? Um, I think she said a couple times a week. I don't know if she's gotten that answer yet, but you, to see, use right? the equation. Okay. Use the equation. The equation will help you with this.
0: Go so through hourly rate times, right. Hours per day times days of the week times 52, right. That's going to give you how much it gives you through a year. And then you're going to just divide that by 12, and it's going to give you how long, number. how much you bill them per month. And just hand that to the customer and say,
1: look, this my, is where I'm at. My hourly rate is $35 an hour, which includes how much I have to pay my employees plus my load plus my profit, times two days a week, right, um, times 52 weeks divided by 12. Here's your number. And they're like... Anybody can figure that out. Sales reps don't do that, though. I know, I know they don't. But sales then, reps say, uh, "Let me go talk to my boss and see if I can do that." Well, yeah, yeah let me go to my let me go to my sales manager, yeah. and I'll be right back. I'll be right back with the yes with the, with, yeah, with, a, with a new a new uh, um, you know price for your your monthly payment on your vehicle. This we're not selling cars here. I mean, this is a service based relationship based. Um, business that requires us to make good contracts. But
0: at least Patricia knows how long it takes. Yes. She knows how long it takes. She knows how many people. She's cleaned it before. Yep. She knows it's probably going to take, you know, three hours, two people. Yep. And then she just does the equation. So for her, definitely go look at the video. Go look at the video. And I think that's where this question came from. But trust
1: in the equation, right? Just 35 times the number of days, times the number, you know, the days per week you know, et cetera. And they just follow it and you're going to get a number and you got to trust the number. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Lauren Zoe Garcia, uh, 3953 asks, can you all make a video on how to price quotes for a deep clean and smaller bids cleaning like bi-weekly and monthly? All right. So, huh.
0: So that's a good question. We have what we call minimum bid. Yep. Like we don't even go to talk to you If you want one day, two days a week, it's X amount, period, because that's how much it costs us to go out there, period. That's where we start at, putting fuel in the vans, bringing people out there, buying the equipment, it's X amount. Right. So, and then you're asking about the deep cleaner, smaller bids. So deep cleaning would be exactly like Patricia, her question was, um, how long is it going to take you? That's strictly hours. That's, that's you know, I'm going in here, it's eight hours. I charge 25 bucks an hour. Times eight, I'm gonna bring three people. Okay, times three. Yeah. You know, it goes back to your equation. But when you're dealing with your bi weekly or monthly, we would still fall in a minimum bid would be X amount. and that's for you to decide. I don't know where they live. Let me just make sure that that I, I mentioned minimum bids are
1: a barrier for folks to do work with octoplane. Yes, right. Period. So it's a filter. So if you're a smaller company and you're dependent on a certain dollar amount a month to be able to pay your rent and take care of the kids and do all that kind of stuff, I, you know we use minimum bids because we don't want to have to deal with the craziness that comes along with smaller accounts when they say, come in twice a month and clean this building, because that's just a trap. Because what happens is you go in there once, you do a deep clean, um, get it all up to speed, and they're like, wow, I want this twice a month, without even asking the question... Who's cleaning this building when I'm not here? Yeah. Well, no one is. So, what is it going to look like when I come back? and It's, it's going be- to be
0: demolished every single time. It's going to be the same job you just did every single time. And I mean, their minimum may, may be less, you know, than yeah, ours. Yeah. You know, you may have a minimum bid that's $150. Right. All right. $200 a month. Um, yeah. Where ours, it's not that.
1: And what I would encourage you to do, um, Lorenzo, is I would say, I would encourage you to tell the customer prospect, I would, uh, th- to, to do more service, right? Because, and explain why, because it's not going to be that much more. Though. It's not going to be a lot more. If if we come in once a week, Mr. Prospect, you know, this is, you're going to get better overall service. You're, it's going to be cleaner, longer, your employees are going to be happier. Um, and the cost is going to be similar to what it would be if we came in twice a month or once a month. Because we're having to do a full, thorough, detailed cleaning from top to bottom when we're in here twice, more companies still don't do it. They just it, crash and dash. It, you know what? Yeah, or or worse, what I can see is I did a deep cleaning. I charged them four hundred and fifty bucks, and then they say, "Oh, well, what if you did it twice a month?" Now I feel like, well, this is recurring income. Let's so do I, for three fifty, so I'm going to charge less. You know, now I'm going to charge less when you didn't even think about when you go back in two weeks. It's going to be the same dump that it was when you left. You know, you started. So, you know, it, don't,
0: you know, people make terrible, we, we, we we actually were doing this, you know, kind of share with you. We were doing this when we grew up. We would take anything and everything for whatever price it was. And then once we really started to analyze, were we making money and were we losing money? We just raised the prices. Yeah. Like, you know what? We can't do it for this. We're actually paying you to clean your building. Right. You know, I'm paying you. Even if it's my, like, well, it was, I'm, I don't have any employees; it's just me. You're still paying yourself. Yeah. So when it gets to the point where you know you're making, sometimes we did the math; we're making like four dollars an hour. Yeah. They got to go. Well, and by and by taking
1: on the philosophy that I'm, it's only me. It's only me, so it doesn't matter if it's bid right. What you're Stanger. doing is you're making you're making a, a a better mousetrap, right? All you're doing is creating a stronger more uh, impossible mousetrap to get out of that you have created, you've made for yourself and the, the industry, not but, just so and, and the industry, but you don't even know. Yeah. Because you're, you're messing it up for everybody else. who's trying to do it the right way. So it's, it's about like you, you need to bid every job thinking that you're not doing it. Yeah. Right. If you, if you bid every job thinking I'm not the one who's going to be cleaning the building, then you're going to bid it. Well, you're going to bid it correctly. But if you go in and with that philosophy, like, yeah, it doesn't really matter, you know, whatever, then you're going to end up trapping yourself in a in, in an impossible, you know, trap. Like You'll never get out of it. And you're not going to be able to afford quit. insurance. You're not going to. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess. But so you're I would gonna be cleaning out of the back of a Cadillac. Lorenzo, I think we both would say that <laughs> we'll get into first. Man, <laughs> just got that one. We'll get into personal <laughs> stories another day. Um, I, Lorenzo, I, I would say that. The best thing for you to do is to encourage them to do jobs like this, smaller, deep, clean jobs, at least one time a week. Yeah. At least one time a week. Um, and internally, we don't do anything that's under three days a week unless
0: they do an initial clean. Um, so so that's just like, you know, Patricia said, like, I go in, it's going to take me eight hours to clean this place up, and then we'll do an initial clean next week. Yep. So you're good. All right. Our last question for this one. Um, Michael Slater,
1: 3210, um, asked, Should you consider tax income in your bidding calculation? Tax
0: income. I'm going to explain so, that for me. Well, I'm going Tax income kind of confuses me. I'm going to just. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Does the tax. Maybe they pay him the taxes?
1: I don't think so. I think what they're saying, should they consider a tax? Um, uh, Liability, like what their taxes would be, would like be. what they have to pay in employee or employers' taxes. Well, yeah, is that part a- of your operating cost, right? So what I what I would say to anyone is this: I mean, if I come up with a number, right? Let's say that I decide that how much I want to pay someone hourly is um, a range of minimum wage to twenty three dollars an hour, right? So twenty three dollars an hour would be my lead on a crew. Right. Now and gonna, he's talking about payroll. He's not it, talking about, I'm not talking about anything what you know. call load or like everything else. else. So $20 $23 an hour is the top of my mark. Now I've got to add at least 33% on top of that dollar amount, right? So that I can get to a point, and I would say 33 to 50%. What that 33% is going to be, so 50% is your is your load, right? So that's yeah. going to be your tax burden. pay' is going to, to be your worst prompt. It's going to be chemical, you know, overhead cost, everything. Right. Cool. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I includes pay or uh, a profit. So you need to consider what's our profit going to be, et cetera. <laughs> and, and then you're going to end up, we should sell franchises. You should. We should sell franchises. We should help people. Anyway, okay. uh, you're a funny dude, man. I, we got to get you to be funnier in, in, in life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so, you know, ultimately what you're looking to do here is take everything into consideration. You know, and not just how much am I going to pay myself? Yeah, and I'm never going to hire somebody.
0: It, that's a total lie. You're going to hire somebody. I mean, we don't want you to not hire someone because then you can't go on vacation. Yeah, like it's like going a paper route. Well, what? Well, there's no such thing anymore, huh? I, they still have throw papers.
1: I think they do. I, I saw. I, I've seen somebody throw papers before. They're free papers, but they are papers anyway. So, yes, Michael, I would say definitely
0: consider your tax
1: liability.
0: I think all everything, not just that, everything. Yeah, all other liabilities. I mean, if you're looking at tax, what you could write off on a serious note, I mean, you're looking at portions of your home, whether you rent or own. Yep. Um, you're looking at your vehicles. You're looking at everything.
1: And all of that should be in whatever that overhead expense percentage is.
0: And taken out of your right business bank account. And it, 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 Thank you. And, and it may surprise
1: you to hear this, but... The smaller you are, the higher that load will likely be, Yep. right? Because you're going to pay more in liability insurance costs because you don't have a record. You're going to have more expense, percentage expense of total gross profits. Because you may be driving all over the town. In vehicles and fuel and all of these other things. As you build, then you have economies of scale, right? So now you're not having all these issues of like, well, now my percentage is going down because I'm, I'm in, I'm in the area. Yeah. And you got to buy a bunch of equipment when you're new. Right. So you try not to, and then you lose account. Yes. So, you know, I, I would say, Michael, you know, again, it, this is a journey that we're on in a business. Okay. It's not a destination. You don't get to watch five YouTube videos and 10 podcasts, you know, and, and listen, you know, while you're working, et cetera, and solve the world's, you know, problems. Okay. And, And definitely not in your business. So, you know, again, it is our hope that you take some information from this. And most importantly for both of us is that you guys take the first step and you're courageous and go out and do something and make mistakes. Because if you're not going to do that, I don't care who you listen to and what you do. Everything is just conceptual. It's just it's a waste of your time to be listening to this podcast if you choose not to do something with it. Right. All right.
0: So, uh, so this is this is where I take over. This is where Greg gets to take over. Let's do, So, this is a portion of the podcast where I talk to Matt, and it's called This or That. So, Matt has two choices in this. You can't make up a different choice. Add a bunch of things. We may we may be a little muddy. We may get a little wild with it, but we'll see. Um, and I, so, for Matt, it's This or That. Okay. So he kind of cheated this time, and he got to see him. I actually haven't read him, but he said he hasn't read. Him. This is normal but, for me. I don't, what, I don't prepare. We're gonna do this anyway. So, Matt, number one. You get a call to clean up fecal matter, or you receive a customer complaint, and you can't send Keenan. For those of you that don't know, he's our warehouse guy. So, so you get a customer complaint, yeah. or you have to clean up fecal matter. I, I would rather receive a customer complaint. I, I bingo, I'm, same one. Yeah, I can, we can handle a customer complaint. I could handle fecal matter too, but I'm calling. Kenan. Yeah, I, a complaint, a complaint is an opportunity.
1: It should be an opportunity. So so is cleaning up fecal matter, but <laughs> an
0: opportunity to get a disease. Yeah, yeah. Oh, get yeah. hepatitis. All um right. Number two, cleaning an underbid account that produces a hundred thousand dollars a year, or a correctly bid account that produces fifty thousand dollars a year. Well, obviously, I'm going to take the
1: correctly bid account, yeah. is it, But the trap, you know what the trap is. But I can make it work.
0: Yes, I can make it work. I'm just going to work more. Just put me in, coach. Like, no, yeah. this is not going to work. So. Well, bid. so when I read underbid, I always say you're losing every month, you're losing every minute. But let's say that underbid means it's 10% lower than it should be. Well,
1: that's not what the question was, but I, I if it was 10% lower than it should be, then I might find a way to, to work on efficiencies. That would be the or you could sell it at your service. I guess I could make
0: it up, you know, yeah. yeah, but I would still agree with you. Yeah, correctly bid 50,000. Yep. Um, Day portering or evening cleaning? Evening cleaning. I'm with with you on that. Um, Call first thing in the morning or call in the middle of the night. So I guess you're getting a call first thing in the morning or a customer calling you first thing or in the middle of the night. Call in the middle of the night. Because you're not answering it.
1: No, I'm call in the middle of the night because they're calling because they want us to do some extra work. So we're going to make some
0: money. First thing in the morning, they're probably calling. First thing in the morning, they're calling to complain. Absolutely. Unless they're taking you to the golf course. I'm at, like, I mean, where are you at? That's not happening. This is not happening. It's not happening. Okay. This or that, starter, closer, or sanator? I'm a starter. I'm with you on that,
1: 100%. So, yeah, sanator is a great training place, closer. I'm not young anymore. I'm not carrying around a backpack vacuum on my back for five hours. And you
0: start, you got to leave, man. You got to leave from the front. And starter, you got to leave from the front, or nothing ever looks different. Okay. Angry customer. Or angry employee slash co-worker. Angry customer. Absolutely. I'm afraid of an angry employee. Yeah. No, this no, day no. and age? No, thank you. No. Um, winning the lottery or landing your dream account? I would rather land my dream account. Is it at the lottery? It's not
1: at the lottery, but I, I mean, it depends on what the lottery number I is. Mean, Dude, it's like it's not, I mean, if it's like $1.8 billion. Then that, So next time you do this segment, bro. It needs okay. to be more. You, you got to be more specific. specific. Win lotto, and it's five hundred
0: billion dollars, or deuces, I'm out. I don't know what our dream account here would be. Uh, it's like all of our dream accounts. We've kind of well, all, our, all right, so right. I'm going to go back. I'm going to win lottery because it, it, look, mean, because then we could just
1: reinvest. Because look, the, the dream account is some you know it, it's it's a huge facility, that would, but you know what comes with that. Every great deal you ever close turns into your worst nightmare of operational setup. Like it is, you got to look at it. Like yeah, that. it's like oh, I landed this great deal, and right. win the lottery. You could do win the
0: lottery. I'm going on vacation. Okay, go ahead. Loose guidelines are clear directions. When I'm working with employees, my answer: clear directions. Yeah. as a manager though a lot of times you're the one that makes the, the clear directions out of loose guidelines yeah I mean I would in- immediately go to loose guidelines because I think managers leaders
1: need to be given guideposts and given the ability to create yes and find ways to solve problems so yeah but if it's a if it's an employee most people, the reason why they went to school and you know from K through twelve is so that they can learn yeah. how to play by the rules. And so if you don't give people
0: rules, then they don't know what to do. They they become uncomfortable and do crappy work. And the clear guidelines things I think it's a trap because you're gonna do exactly like this person said, and if it doesn't work, it's on them, not you. Yep. So that kind of takes the creativity and the responsibility yep. out of it. I like this segment. This is fun. This make sure the fecal matter one, I, can we just call it to my I did not create these ones. Oh, I will create them next time. We just call it what it is. Code Brown. Code Brown. Code Brown.
1: Well, check out the description um, for links and resources that have been mentioned in this video. Um, this is obviously our first podcast. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube today, uh, like and subscribe. Um, if you're listening on Spotify or on Apple, um, please rate and review us. Uh, tell us how you liked it and what you want to hear from us next. We hope that you got value from this episode today.
0: And again, my name is Matt Stowe. My name is Greg Stone. This is the OctoClean podcast. We're excited to connect with you guys on future episodes. Thank you. Thank you.